This week on the CMB Podcast, I sit down with an awesome songwriting couple, Bobby and Kristen Gillis. They each have important roles in the life of Sojourn Community Church out of Louisville. And in our conversation today, we touched on their songwriting process, the powerful story of their upcoming album, and much more. That is where we're going today on the CMB Podcast, session number 23. Welcome to the CMB Podcast, a podcast designed to serve people of faith who make music. If you're looking for practical and inspirational ideas to help you in your musical craft, then look no further. ChristianMusicBlog.com is all about helping you think differently about creativity through eyes of faith as you learn how to establish healthy musical habits and disciplines, fueling your creativity and making you more prolific for the glory of God. And now your host, Nate Fancher. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the 23rd session of the Christian Music Blog podcast. My name is Nate Fancher. I am a singer, a songwriter, a worship leader, uh, simply seeking to gather other like-minded people of faith who make music to talk about the numerous things that we as Christian music makers face. That, of course, can be a pretty wide spectrum of different subjects. So when we launched this, we wanted to start with the subject of songwriting specifically. And so as we go, we will bring in some other subjects along the way, but I'm I'm not in a hurry. CMB is not running a sprint here. We are in this for the long haul. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, we invite you to join us over at christianmusicblog.com. And actually, at the end of today's episode, I'll share with you a different link to a page where you can get a couple of gifts for listening today. Uh, just my way of saying thanks for listening. So I'll bring that up at the end of today's episode. I was really blessed to have some time with an awesome couple out of the Sojourn Church movement, Bobby and Kristen Gillis. If you don't know about Sojourn, they are an influential church out of Louisville uh, with over 2,500 people and a handful of different campuses. Um, They have a fantastic music ministry that has reached out beyond Louisville called Sojourn Music, led by their worship pastor, Mike Cosper, and and other great recording artists uh, and worship leaders, including Brooks Ritter, Jamie Barnes, and Kristen Gillis. Her husband, Bobby, is communications director for the church, and they both have been a part of the church's album releases uh, with the songwriting and being a part of that community. So the albums like The Water and the Blood, Over the Grave, and Before the Throne, they had a lot to do with those. And in 2012, Kristen herself released her own solo EP, which can be found at Noise Trade, called The Whole Big Story. We touched on several things, including their songwriting process as a couple and their upcoming full-length album, which is set to release next spring, and has a powerful story behind that. So I know this will bless you, and I want to get right into it. So here's my conversation with Kristen and Bobby Gillis on the 23rd session of the CMB Podcast. Well, I'm here with Bobby and Kristen Gillis from Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, great to have them on the podcast today. Thanks, guys, for being with me. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're really excited about you guys and what you do, and I'm um, excited about having this conversation. So wh- why don't we start with just you guys telling us about your story, how each of you um, started writing songs. You can go as long as you want. You can tell us how you how you ended up together and, and how you started to write together, whatever you want to share. Sure. Well, I think, actually, we both started writing songs, and specifically songs for the church, um, probably for the same reason, and that's that our fathers did that. Um, 
when I was growing up in church, um, my dad always wrote songs that we did on Sundays. A few other people in the church did as well. So to me, that just seemed like a natural thing. Um, I didn't learn until later on that a lot of churches don't do original songs. Um, so to me, that was just a natural thing. When I got to be a teenager, I was always interested in writing. Um, I always loved to write and to uh, probably when I was 10 years old, I was doing little parody songs of, you know, making fun of my brother and classmates and things like that. So when I really got serious about the Lord, it just was natural for me to write songs for the church. And I started and they were horrible, but uh, that was the genesis of it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I would say the same for me. My, my dad was a worship pastor. He retired um, this past year after 35 years. So I grew up in a home where there was just constant music and um he was always writing. He wrote a couple hundred songs, I think. So, you know, I, I grew up like Bobby, not really knowing that in most churches, there's not somebody there writing songs for that church. Um, so I started writing when I was a teenager around, probably around 18 or 19 years old after I learned to play the guitar. I grew up playing the piano. Um, once I picked up a guitar, though, then I started actually composing and some um, singer-songwriter, Christian, I guess, songs you would call them, but worship songs as well. Um, so that's really where it started for me. And music did play a pretty key role in bringing us together. Um, I, I've been a part of Sojourn Community Church since 2004, um, and I started basically just organized the songwriters and, and leading songwriting worship uh, workshops in 2005. Um, Kristen came in 2009 and joined the worship team, joined the community group that I was a part of, uh, and we basically were just friends and community group together for about nine months. Um, Kristen would occasionally write a song and then just send an mp3 email out to everyone in the community group, I think probably some other friends as well, and, and just say, hey, this is something I wrote, what do you think? So I think about nine months in, she had written a song um, I should also say that she was at the time dating someone else in, in the community group. Um, so a few days after I got this song from Kristen, I heard that they had stopped dating. And I, you know, I kind of checked to see that there, there was no, neither of them was hurt or anything like that. Um, so it was a clean break. It, it, it was a clean break. It was okay to move in. Um, so, so I immediately emailed her about that song um, and said, hey, I, I think the song's really good. Here's a few suggestions you might, you might want to try just you know, if, if you're up for editing this. And, and I was hoping for some kind of response, maybe just a, a crack in the window that I could then insinuate myself and, uh, <laughs> and, and awesome. ask her out. Um, and so I sent that email on a Friday afternoon. And when I woke up Saturday morning, she had already rewritten the song, re-recorded it, and sent me an email saying, what do you think of these changes? And so then we were, we were off and running to yes. the races. That was, wow. that was cool. Honest. That was my master plan, and it, it kind of worked. So Bobby the insinuator. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so when, when would, that was around 2005, you said? So you guys have been... No, that was actually um, several years after I joined Sojourn. So that was 2000. We met in 2009. It was May of 2010 when that mm -hmm. happened. And we... We started dating like 10 days later, um, and we were married four months later. 
So it was a very fast courtship. Once we got together, and we already had that, you know, that base friendship down. We'd been a part of the same small group for a year. Um, so, and we started writing together right around that time as well. That's so cool. So once you, once you were married, what, what did you see take place in your songwriting as a team? Well, I think, you know, for me, I have always been more of a lyricist than a, um, a music, a tune writer. Um, most of the songs that Sojourn has recorded that I've, I've written are songs where um, I wrote the lyrics and then I just passed them off to someone that's gifted at tune writing. Um, uh, Brooks Ritter, one of our worship pastors, I've, I've written several songs with him that way, where I just, you know, basically hand him a sheet of paper or just send him the Word doc and then he comes up with the music. So we started out doing it that way um, for the most part. Um, and then gradually, I think what's, what's happened is we've learned each other a little bit more. Um, we sort of interfere in each other's areas in a good way. <laughs> so I think you know, a lot of the songs now that we're writing are songs where she, she's written some of the lyrics, I've written some of the music, and, and you know, each song is kind of its own thing where we're in different areas, and we just have developed that, that trust with each other. Yeah, and when we started writing together as well, we, we were tackling some projects. Um, Sojourn was working on different albums with some different themes. So, you know, we were taking those and Bobby would drop anywhere from two to ten sheets of lyrics onto the piano and say, can you put some music to these? And I would say, honey... I work full time. <laughs> I'm doing all this other stuff. Let me just—I can't just bust out a melody the way that you bust out a rhyme, you know. So. <laughs> bust a rhyme. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but but you know, it was it it pushed me to um to work more at the piano to take more time and do that. Um, I tend I I tend to write more inspirationally. Like some, I've been chewing on something for a long time, and then. You know, I'll come to some understanding of what I've been thinking about, and it'll sort of make sense in a song. But um, so it was a real challenge for me to have lyrics already prepared, and they were really, really good. I mean, really good stuff. So Aww. I wanted to be able to sing them. I'm serious, honey. I wanted to be able to sing them, uh, but I, you know, was a little intimidated by <laughs> by the lyrics. Um, but again, like he said, we've worked through that and. You know, we'll write some lyrics, or he'll write the lyrics, I'll work on a melody, and we'll, we'll test it out. We've presented some of the songs to sort of test groups and community to get their feedback. What do you think of this? Is it singable? Would you, you know, do you agree with this song arrangement or whatever? So, yeah, but we've definitely come to learn each other's styles and be challenged by each other as well. Um, I've definitely learned a ton from reading our blog, all the stuff that Bobby writes on writing music I read it like a student because it's new to me in a lot of ways. So it's wow. been very helpful. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I would say that I've learned a lot from Kristen too, especially just she is such a passionate worshiper. Um, not that I'm, I'm, I would hope that I would be as well, but I think I probably approach things a lot more on an intellectual basis. And even in the way that I've written a lot of songs, it's sort of like an assignment. Like, you know, I'm going to write a song for the confession part of our liturgy um, or I'm going to write a song about the offering you know and and what does the Bible say about 
offering. Um, and I, you know, I, I approach it as a very kind of studious exercise. Um, whereas Christian, Kristen approaches a lot of things, just this passionate outpouring of our heart. And I think that both of those approaches are good. And so it's sort of like, you know, two halves make a whole. I don't know how else to say that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's really cool. I, I was thinking, you know, practically, when you, when you hand her a sheet of lyrics and you get that, Kristen, and you look at that and you go, all right, these, these words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them to music. Um, I, I just know how, how, honestly, how challenging that can be because, you know, syllables are so important in melodies. Mm-hmm. And so do you find that you have to go back and, like, take a word or two or whatever just to make it fit a rhythm that you know you don't want to change? Um, and how does that work Bobby if it's a word that is so important in a you know so I would love to hear how you might tackle that challenge yeah there there's been a few times when I'll sit down you know to play through a, a hymn that he's written and I'll I'll have a melody in mind and I'll get to a line and it feels like a mouthful and so I'll either just naturally pare it down and then I'll sing it back to him and he'll say, what'd you do with that word? And I said, well, I don't think we need it, you know? And, you know, sometimes we don't need some of those words, you know? Um, but then there's other times when I'll just say, hey, honey, is there a different way we could say this? You know, or this is what I had in mind and, you know, but we definitely have have done that. And Bobby's, he's not the kind of guy who's like, it's written and it has to be this way. You know, he's... Yeah. I've seen him rewrite nearly every song that he's written several times. Like he'll rewrite that song several times. And he's just constantly thinking about, wait, this isn't this is a more concise way to say this. This is easier. This is um so, you know, then I have to be flexible with the melody too, you know. But he, he usually if we find a a workable melody, he'll try to if he does any rewriting, I guess, keep it within the parameters of that new melody, but one of my favorite literary quotes is uh, was attributed to Dorothy Parker. She said, "You have to learn to kill your darlings." Um, and what she meant by that was sometimes a writer will will get a phrase, you know, a phrase just pops into your head, and you love this phrase, and you think, "I've got to, you know, this is going to be the title, or this is going to be the hook of my song, or I've got to use this." And sometimes when you write the song, it turns out that that phrase just needs to go. It it might not maybe just for thematic reasons, it might not really have a whole lot to do with what you ended up with, or maybe for um, reasons like we're talking about here where it just, the phrase itself needs to be pared down, you just need to choose another word so it will fit the music better. Um, and, and it's really difficult sometimes for me, um, for writers to realize that we have to revise, we have to edit, and we have to you know just put everything on the table and not, not say, I've, I've got to have this word. There's a lot of, you know, I think we're very, uh, we're very blessed that the English language is so huge and there are so many, so many words and, that we can choose. So uh, it's not really been any problem. I don't recall any, you know, heated discussions that we've had where it's like, this word's got to stay or this phrase has to stay. It's, it's, it doesn't really happen a whole lot um, because one thing that I do try to do as a, as a writer of lyrics, if I don't have a melody in mind, is I at least try to read the lyrics aloud. I think that really helps if you're a lyric writer is just read the way that a person would naturally read it. Um, just to keep in mind the natural cadence of speech so you're not you know, putting the, 
the emphasis on the wrong syllables, so yeah. to speak. <laughs> and, and if you'll do that just reading it, then, then you'll probably have something that will lend itself better to a melody than if, if yeah. it's something that doesn't even read well. Yeah. Mm. That's awesome. And, and also, I mean, I was just on your blog, and uh, you talk about when music and lyric hold hands, when music and lyrics hold hands, about the, just the theme and stuff. So do you ever find that maybe the melody that Kristen picks doesn't really go where you were hoping it might go with your lyrics in terms of the theme, or, or do you really try to work together on that? We do try to work together on that, um, and, and it doesn't happen very often. I, I would say, like, in terms of, well, to use one example, the, the, the song, the title song of our blog, My Song in the Night, uh, our blog is mysonginthenight.com, and so we recorded a song called My Song in the Night, and Kristen's original demo, I think it was in 6-8 time, and it was very, it was very pretty, it was slow, um, and when we got to the studio, we thought it we could probably arrange this in a way that would bring out the just the natural drama of those lyrics a little bit more and so we we put it in 4-4 time um, it's got a little bit more drive and energy tempo um, is a little bit faster more of a, a steady beat but the the melody itself we didn't change at all so so we've tweaked some things we've we definitely tweaked some melodies but um, she's really pretty good about matching the mood of the the music to what I'm trying to express in the in the lyrics. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, I know that that's 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 got to take real skill skill on the part of the the melody person. Yeah, to really for sure. be able to take the 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 the, the story the the, the commu- whatever is being communicated through the words and interpret them musically. Yeah, awesome. Hey, now you mentioned a minute ago, Kristen, about test groups and community groups. Um, that ties to a question that I have for you guys regarding Sojourn and how songs are written in community. Um, I know the two of you write together. We've been talking about that. Is there anything that you can share about writing with other writers within the Sojourn community? It's a great worship community, obviously. A lot of folks know about that. And um, I think more people need to kind of see and learn from the community-based songwriting that you guys all take part in. So can you share some, some of those things? Sure. Uh, yeah, the Sojourn community is is very big, um, in, just in terms of artists and songwriters, singer-songwriters, bands. Um, so I think, you know, there's probably no one way that we do it. Um, there are so many different collaborative teams, and, and I've worked with different people um, in different ways. Like, like I said before, the chief way that I've worked with people is simply to write lyrics, give them to a tunesmith, and and they come up with something, but um, we've done it a lot of different ways. When when I first started going to Sojourn, um, again, this was the, the latter part of 2004, there were a few songwriters that were already writing songs for the church, um, and there were a handful of other people on the worship team as well as just in the congregation that wanted to try their hand at, at songwriting. And so uh, my first big project, and this was strictly as a volunteer under our worship pastor, Mike Cosper, was to put together a songwriting group and to, and to just formalize it. And we started meeting um, once a month in just a home of a worship leader. We tried meeting at the church, but I think people felt like it was just uh, made them feel more relaxed to just meet in someone's home in a living room and we'd have coffee and maybe someone would bake brownies. And we uh, basically let each person, we just kind of went around in a circle, each person got to share a song that they'd written or maybe even just 
you know, if they'd only had a, a chorus or they just had lyrics but they didn't have music or anything that they wanted to share. And then we would all offer our comments. Uh, some of them were helpful. Some of them probably were not. Um, I think what you have to do as a songwriter is you have to, you, you have to get feedback. And you have to learn what, what feedback, you know, what choices to make there. You have to learn, is this, is this good feedback? Will this serve my song well? Or is this not a direction I want to take the song? Um, and, you know, anyone can offer bad advice, even if they're a great songwriter. I've, I've probably offered people bad advice many times as far as what specifically to do with a song. And that's just something that the artist has to decide. So we just had a really open group where people could speak into, you know, whatever they felt that they could speak into. And from there, we just started specifically writing songs for some of Sojourn's records, like Before the Throne and like the Isaac Watts Project. Um, and the way that has worked, sometimes you just get two or three guys together in a room and each person's got a guitar, maybe someone's at a piano, and you just start playing and throwing ideas on the wall and see what sticks. Um, other times it's more of that assembly line way where one person does lyrics and then the other person does music. So um, we try not to put it into a box and, and say this is the way it has to be done. Um, and then, you know, after after the initial demos, um, sometimes we even do some revising in the studio. There was a song called Warrior that was on Sojourn's Over the Grave record um, that I wrote with two other guys, uh, Neil DeGrade and Dave Moisson. And we were still we were still writing that song while we were recording it. Um, Dave sings lead on that record, and he there was a there was a part of that recording process where he was literally uh, downstairs in a vocal booth doing the uh, the lyrics, you know, singing part of the song while I was upstairs writing the lyrics to I think the bridge. Um, and so that just, you know, the way it came together was completely different than most of the other songs that, that I've written. I do not like to write in the studio. That's a lot of, I just feel a lot of pressure there. That was one of those deals where at the time it was not at all fun for me. Now I look back, it's, it was kind of fun, but at the time I just felt so much pressure. So that's not the way I like to do it. But um, yeah, there's no one way that we do it. Um, even in some of the songs that we've written for people outside of Sojourn, um, We've done that as a couple before, where we've we've had you know people from different churches. We just get together and sit down at the piano, or someone pulls out a guitar, and you know someone says, "Well, I've got this verse, or I've got this one cool line that I don't know what to do with, and let's see where we can go from there." Cool. Well, why don't we um, talk a little bit about uh, you, the two of you? You just you, well, Kristen, you put out the whole big story, which is available at Noise Trade, and that's been out for how long now? Since 2011? 2011. Well, um, Wait. 2012. It's, oh, it's, yeah. We put it out in April of 2012. Oh, Okay. Sorry. Yeah, and, and you're currently working on a new project. Um, yes. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that. You're writing songs for that. Is that a full length, or is that another EP? How's that turning out? That'll be a full length album, and um, Bobby can tell you more about sort of the vision for that, and I guess the road ahead and producing it and getting it out. So right, yeah. We um, last fall, October twenty first, we had a baby and he was stillborn. Um, his name is Parker, and so you know naturally that was that was a very trying time. That was uh, devastating in some ways, but 
I think we were shown so much love by our church community as well as just people all over the world through you know Twitter and Facebook and people sending us messages through our blog, and, um, sending us links to songs that they thought would comfort us and you know scripture verses and uh, books even and uh, you know so we we really felt comforted by the Holy Spirit first of all um, but also just by His church and as as God was working through His church and so. Out of that, um, we started writing songs, um, songs of uh, comfort, songs of healing, songs of um, even, even mission, songs that celebrate God at work through his church. Um, and so we decided, let's just put all these together and, and we'll do a, a full project, probably 10 songs. So we're looking at 10 right now. Um, and we hope to have that out in March or April of next year. We haven't started recording yet. We've, we've got the songs together. We're working with a, a guy named Jonathan Barahonia, um, who is a great arranger. He uh, is the piano player for um, Ingrid Rosario, who is on Integrity. She's uh, one of Integrity's Latin artists. Hmm. Um, and so he's, he's a brilliant musician. We're excited about working with him and coming up with some good arrangements for all these songs. And then we'll go into the studio, hopefully this fall, and record it and, and release it in the probably late winter, early spring of next year. And we really wanted to express our worship to the Lord from our suffering. Um, and we've just discovered rich, deep wells of grace to do that, that there is a place in the presence of the Lord where we can be sad and sorrowful but always rejoicing in the certain hope that we have and these songs declare that they 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 express our sorrow but they declare our triumph and our strength and the joy that we have now even as it is a future glory that awaits us beyond the suffering so the songs have been particularly meaningful and healing for us. Me particularly, I think, as I've sung these songs, and I've already been distributing them to loved ones who are going through hard times, and we've gotten just an encouraging response um, regarding the Spirit of God at work through these songs to bring encouragement to those who are suffering and, and to prompt um, people to worship the Lord who should always be praised. And so I'm excited to, to record these songs and to widely distribute them. I really pray that they would be songs that speak healing and comfort, but also would inspire people to, as they express their grief to the Lord, to also express praise to Him for being sovereign and all-powerful and loving and faithful, all the attributes that He is at all times, um, and that in some call us to praise Him all the time. So we've uh, been really privileged to have this experience. It's humbling to walk through a dark valley um, and to experience the light of the Lord constant with you. So we can say that He is our song in the night, which was our theme of our blog before we stepped into this dark night, but the Lord has continued to give us songs in the night. So we're very thankful for his presence with us and one yeah. of the songs that that we wrote for this um we've we've already done at sojourn at sojourn we recently went through the book of job as a sermon series wow. um, and so we wrote a song it, it was really 95 percent Kristen. i just 
tweaked a couple of words, basically, but it was called Bless the Lord Who Gives and Takes. And so we did that song during one of the, uh, the worship services in the Job sermon series, and we got a great response just from, from people. You know, there's so many other people in our congregation as well as, of course, around the world that have had miscarriages or um, just other tragedies. I mean, no life is, is untouched by tragedy of some kind, and so just to be able to, to express that um, and, and to turn that around and say, I'm going to praise the Lord anyway, uh, I think it's is just so powerful and something that, that we need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think everybody can, can understand and relate to being sad and, and to experiencing some sort of loss, but what we, until we don't necessarily need help being sad, although some people do if you live in denial of sure. loss and those things, but um, more often than not, we need help knowing how and why to worship the Lord in our sadness, in our suffering. And so it really was a powerful thing for our congregation, especially a congregation that had watched us very publicly walk through this. Me as a worship leader, carrying Parker 42 weeks as a worship leader. And then, you know, they, they really, it was a song for our community. Um, and us just knowing of so many other losses in our, in our family as well. But it was a powerful thing for us to be able to sing this song um, and say, you know, we're pressed and we're crushed, but we bless the Lord who gives and takes. He gave and He took for our good. And just reminding ourselves of the truths of Scripture and being able to sing that out with tears um, and with joy simultaneously. It's pretty amazing how loss will stretch your soul and and give you a greater capacity for both sorrow and joy. It just, it really, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. so it's good. We're excited to share it. So, yeah, that's going to be great. I'm sure. Um, what did you have a name for it? Or are you kind of still working on that? Or uh, we're still working on the name for the actual title of the album. So I'm not sure on that yet. Yeah. But uh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, st- still sounds like you're very much in the in the creative process of putting it all together, and so exciting. Um, wonderful. Um, you know, I. As as we were just as I was just listening to you talk, especially Kristen, you, as you shared your heart there, you know I, I feel like there is certainly a, a a vacuum with regard to that whole conversation within worship music in, in terms of abroad. You know, um, the worship music industry. There's not a lot of um, suffering songs out there, really. Of course, you know it's just it's um, something that makes me wonder. You know what would concern you if you were to be asked what's one thing that concerns you about the worship music movement what's one thing that really encourages you you know what would those two things be well you know i love the breadth of styles that we have i think at no point in the history of english hymnody have we had so many different kinds of songs just in terms of we've still got hymns um not only the great hymns of the past but people are still writing hymns today like Stuart townend keith and Kristen getty um and we've got you know, I love praise songs. I I, I really like good celebratory songs. Um, I, I love a lot of what the Passion Movement is doing and, and Papa Losh and, and people like that. Um, I think in terms of, you know, what we all could do better, um, worship leaders, is just to really think um, liturgically and think about portraying the entire gospel. Um, and, and when I say liturgically, I mean, think about, you know, if you 
even if you're not in a church that, that follows a set liturgical pattern or that you would consider high church, just think about, um, you know, we come in and we acknowledge that we are called by God, um, that our worship is God-centered. It's not about us and about how um, great our own worship is, but it's about how great God is. Um, and then just go from there naturally. When we, when we see the greatness of God, then we, we realize how far we are from that, from Him. Um, and that naturally, I think, drives us to repentance and confession. And I think we need more songs of confession. We need, you know, and, and there are some. Uh, Give Us Clean Hands uh, by Charlie Hall is a, is a great song. Um, I think, you know, the heart of worship kind of acknowledges some things that needed to be acknowledged at that time. It's, it's, not, about, it's not about us. It's not about music. It's, it's all about uh, God. Um, but I think that we could do a lot better, um, worship songwriters and worship leaders, a lot more in terms of uh, confession, a lot more in terms of laments. You know, if you read the Psalms, um, you even read the book of Revelation, like even the martyrs, when they were in heaven, uh, this just blows my mind. They're still saying, God, how long until you avenge those who, who killed us? Um, and God comforts them, and he says, just a little bit while longer. So I think lament is part of the human condition that we need to feel free to express. And it's not about um, that we doubt God. It's, it's just about he longs, just like you as a, you know, as a father, you long for your child to, to come to you and pour his heart out, pour her heart out. And uh, uh, not only to confess that they stole a cookie from the cookie jar, but even to say, you know, something happened that I don't think is fair and I want to tell you about it. So I think God wants that from us. So I think those are two things that definitely we could be doing a lot more um, in our churches as well as the, the industry um, as a whole. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think you're absolutely right on. I think that the, the full scope of, of uh, songs... I mean, you see it in the Psalms, what David was able to do, sure. and the, the other psalm writers there. I mean, there are so many different kinds of songs. Yes, Kristen, you have, you have, something, you have a thought there? Uh, my only thought was just to ask ourselves, are we telling the truth? Like, do we know the truth, and are we telling the truth? Um, are we being honest? And Bobby touched on that. You know, like, where is the place where we can honestly weep before the Lord in worship and um, but really are we telling the truth like and are we making it clear this is who God is and this is why we sing and this is who we are and this is our pro appropriate response no matter what we're going through um, so I would say you know are we upholding the truth of who God is of what he's promised and what he's already done are we declaring his wonders are we you know, declaring his promises, praising him for what he has promised, and um, and allowing for songs that express our sorrow, but point us to full redemption in Christ. I mean, he's he said, "I am making everything new." So we sing now in the midst of all this brokenness, but we sing with the confidence that even now God is making everything new and we see that we we get glimpses of this we hear testimonies of how God is answering prayers how he's saving people and restoring 
um, hope to those who were hopeless. And so we celebrate those things now. They are evidences of His grace at work, and they point us to the future reality uh, that we have in Christ when everything will be made new. All, this, all the tears will be wiped away. All the sorrow and sighing and death will be no more. Um, and yet that is our present reality, too, even though we haven't <laughs> fully experienced it. It's a mystery, but I really think we need to try to convey that, you know, in our songs. So. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and then what you guys have been through and what you're working on now with your new album is really a, a testimony of that. Um, can't wait to, to hear that. That's going to be really exciting to get. So, again, that's August. Did you say that? No, later. We'll be recording it. Well, we'll be arranging in August, I think, recording sometime in the fall. And hope so it'll to probably be more like March or April before it's yeah. released. released. Yeah, okay. Great. Well, I guess we can wait till then. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been so great to have you guys on the podcast. It really means a lot. I, I love your love your hearts for the Lord. I love your story. I'm really excited about this new album coming out next year. And... Um, yeah, it's just, so thanks again for being on the podcast. Where where can people go to find out more about you? I know you're, you're a very prolific blogger, right? Your your blog is is a pretty big deal of what you're doing, isn't that true? We we do love to blog. Yeah, um, we've that the blog is mysonginthenight.com. dot com, mm-hmm. um, and we try to at this point we're each writing one blog post a week, um, and we've got a lot of a lot of past blog posts that we call attention to on occasion. Um, a lot of well over a hundred articles about songwriting, well over a hundred articles about just different aspects of worship leading, everything from, you know, how to audition for a worship team to like how to prepare for rehearsals, how to conduct rehearsals, um, a lot of things like that. So, um, yeah, we really enjoy it. And that, that's kind of like our home on the web, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, the album that you mentioned, the EP, the whole big story, that is on Noise Trade. Um, that's under Kristen Gillis. Um, and so those are... Those are kind of our two big places. Um, Kristen, you are on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, that's facebook.com backslash Kristen Smith Gillis. Mm-hmm. Um, Smith being her maiden name. And then uh, I'm Bobby Gillis on Facebook. Also on Twitter at Bobby Gillis. Uh, B-O-B-B-Y-G-I-L-L-E-S. All right. Well, thanks again, guys. It means so much. It's been an honor to, to just to be on here. Thank you very much for inviting us, and we've, we've enjoyed it. Yes, we have. Thank you. make sure you get all those links and some other highlights from the conversation today make sure you check out the show notes for the episode those can be found at christianmusicblog.com forward slash session 23 before i let you go i want to invite you to share a personal story of how the lord worked in your life uh, through a trial or through some tragedy you know a situation where most people are tempted to curse god and die like Job's own wife told him to do. You know the story. Job's wife comes into him after he had lost all his children, his servants, his herds, and he himself was afflicted by painful sores all over his body. And his wife comes and asks him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Tragedy has a way of really testing our hearts. And the, the story that Bobby and Kristen shared is a powerful story of how they worshiped God and how their own church saw them Um, as an example of worshiping the sovereign God in the midst of tragedy. It's a powerful testimony that the world simply can't understand. 
God is greatly glorified when we, we, when we give him worship and praise when it's not going well. So maybe you have a similar story. If you do, I, I, and of course, if you're willing to share, please let us know in the comments for the episode. And uh, again, that link is christianmusicblog.com forward slash session 23. Your story, like Bobby and Kristen's story, will encourage others who may be going through the same thing. So uh, go over there and, and leave us your story. Really looking forward to hearing the songs that have been born out of this time for Bobby and Kristen. Uh, it's going to be quite an album. So to stay informed on the exact release date, just make sure you head over to uh, their blog. And, and and just I definitely encourage you to check out their blog. It's awesome. MySongInTheNight.com. There's a lot there uh, to resource all of this. MySongInTheNight.com. All right, that's it for episode 23. If you are new with us, we invite you to head over to freemusicgift.com. That's our way of saying thanks and welcome to the CMB podcast and community. You can get some free things there as well as sign up for our growing list of subscribers who we affectionately call CMBites. So you'll see a place there to sign up and to download your gifts. Again, that's freemusicgift.com. Also, please head over to iTunes if you're an iTunes user. We'd be so grateful if you'd leave us a rating and short review. It only takes a few minutes, and it helps us rank higher in iTunes so that more people like yourself can find us. So go to iTunes and just search for Christian Music Blog Podcast. That should bring us right up. Next Friday on the CMB Podcast, we have Cam Huxford. Cam is the lead singer of the band Ghost Ship from Marcel Church in Seattle. It's another great band coming out of that network, and I'm really stoked to share that with you. That's next week right here on the CMB Podcast. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the CMB Podcast. For more valuable content, including helpful articles and video, visit christianmusicblog.com.